First Peter chapter 5 will be our text this morning. Our text is relatively short, just verses 5, 6, and 7. First Peter chapter 5, verses 5 uh, through 7. Good morning. It is great to see every single one of you here this morning. I have to apologize. Aaron asked me um, uh, where my bow tie was on bow tie Sunday. Um, I said I had a bow tie, I wore it once, I took it off, and I burned it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not a big bow tie fan. You look good. Um, let me just tell you how, um, how proud I am um, of you as a church. I was listening to Aaron give the announcements. We, we really have emphasized and we've really sought to strike the balance of relationships. And I hear about the youth getting together for a pool party or the seniors getting together for a barbecue or individuals opening up their backyards to meet together, a, a large Guatemala team that leaves in the morning, uh, junior church workers, Sunday school teachers, um, deacons that are faithfully serving every single week behind the scenes, people that make coffee and donuts. And, and I am so grateful for the fact that it's not just, yeah, we, 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 we're Christians and we want to follow Christ, that you are seeking to impact the lives of others and ultimately the lives of people in this community. Um, and we're actually beginning to get, we're really beginning to get the idea, I believe, of what the local church is all about. And so I just, I just want to express my love for you um, and, and just delight in your, in your sacrificial serving. I pray for the Guatemala trip. My biggest prayer is that we do not lose anyone. <laughs> uh, this is a lot bigger than we've ever done before. Vision Trust claims they can handle up to 30, so we have a record to beat for next year, okay? We have a neat text. Let's go to the Lord and ask for his guidance as we dig in and learn together. <clears throat> Father, as we come before you, we, we just sang that song, that read that, that text in Revelation that describes that scene. That, that scene, Lord, that if we have surrendered to you and received the gift of grace, forgiveness of our sins, if we live every day in light of the gospel, that we have that scene um, before us to look forward to, to wake up and hope for. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that one day we will meet you face to face. And that is only through the work and the atoning blood of sacrifice of Jesus that we can stand before you unashamed. We can stand before you, Lord, forgiven. We, we praise you for your work. Now as we examine your words to us this morning, as we pray for the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to receive the seed of, of your word to produce growth and fruit, I would ask, Lord, that you would individually and uniquely and personally uh, address each person that's here, wherever they're at in their journey. And Lord, if there's individuals that are here this morning that don't know you, that, that today, this very moment, they understand they can offer their life to you and receive you as their own personal savior. 
we do pray for individuals in our, in our midst who are aching and hurting, who are worn and exhausted, who are afraid. Father, I pray, Lord, for marriages that are in times of struggle and turmoil. I pray for individuals that are ensnared at this very point that no one knows about and they're battling temptations of, of, of sin and addiction. God, free them. Remind them of yourself. Remind all of us of your amazing power. Father, please, please help me as I seek to speak the truth of the gospel that is done in a way that Jesus is glorified. The name of Jesus is magnified. Guard me. Guard my lips from saying anything that would be hurtful or harmful to the name and to the work of Jesus. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We have this title, Let Go and Let God. It's kind of this this overused phrase at times. I'm not a big fan personally of cliches, of pithy, trendy, overused and worn phrases that we hear all the time. Um, You know those little Pinterest quotes or bumper stickers? Uh, You deserve it. Follow your heart. Live in the moment. Dream big. Discover the champion in you. Oh, gag to most of those pithy, overused phrases. But there are bumper stickers. I, I love what I refer to as we drive. We refer to it as, as, as bumper sticker uh, philosophy or bumper sticker theology in many respects. Uh, I, I was reading some. I love funny bumper stickers. I saw this one recently. Yes, this is my truck. And no, I won't help you move. Uh, Please don't hit me. I'm not 100% sure of my coverage. (laughs) Driver carries no cash. Uh, He's married. Um, I used all my sick days, so I called in dead. And and we kind of drive, and we're amused on a long journey because we see a a bumper sticker. And I think about this phrase that that we're kind of examining this morning, let go and let God. And in all honesty, I've seen it on bumper stickers. I've seen it on little Pinterest quotes. I've seen it on keychains and mugs and church signs as you drive by. And I have to tell you honestly that there is an amazing sense of weight and truth to to that statement, let go and let God. The the problem is, is that it sounds really cute and it, it packages well, but it is really, really hard to completely offer everything that you are and just just trust and to have that kind of faith entirely and completely in the hand of God. Because the hand of God oftentimes is what? It's invisible for us. I heard the story of a man, he was hiking and he was hiking along the, the rim of, of the Grand Canyon. Amazing, beautiful scenery. As he was watching the scenery, he kind of lost footing and slipped over the edge and, and just grabbing for anything. He, he, he was holding onto a little tree, a little branch that was kind of out of the bank, and he's holding on, scared to death, and he yells out, Help! Is anyone out there? Help me! And, and to his amazement, he heard a, a voice, 
a booming voice. He says, yes, this is God. I can help you. Just let go of the branch and everything will be okay. The guy's holding on kind of white knuckled and he yells back, is anyone else up there? You know, we, we kind of feel like that at times. God kind of calls us, directs us, and then God tells us to trust him. And we're like, excuse me, um, can I discover the champion in me instead? The idea of letting go, the idea of putting our complete dependence, faith, and trust in God is a challenging thing, but we're going to look to the truth of Scripture and trust the Holy Spirit to give us the means and the ability and the, 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 the strength to do just that. Now, hold on to this, this whole series of First Peter. We get to this final chapter, and we see that the theme of the day has been, it, it, it winds its way, weaves its way all the way through submission, surrender yourself to the Lord, to his authority. And you and I know that, that although it's instruction, it becomes a battle, and it becomes oftentimes a battle against ourselves. Are we really going to do what God calls us to do when it makes no sense? How are we really going to stand? How are we going to stand and live for God in an ungodly world, to, to be holy in an unholy world? There is some there is some practical application in our instruction today in our in our passage today. Listen very carefully. First Peter chapter five verses five, six, and seven. As I read to you our text, <clears throat> here it is. First Peter five, verse five. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Three things I want to give you this morning. Three things to let go of and let God have control of. Number one, let go and let God direct your relationships. Number one, let go and let God direct your relationships. We see this in verses 5 and 6. Listen to this very carefully. I'll read it again. You who are younger, some of you automatically are like, mm, is that me or not? You're not quite sure. We're all kind of young in our minds, right? You who are younger, be subject. Another translation uses the word hupotasso, submit to the elders. Clothe yourselves, dress yourselves, all of you with humility, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And then there's this repeated word, humble yourselves. The standing order of the day. We see the theme all the way through. 
Submit and surrender, hupatasso, to arrange yourselves in order, under, in authority. Now, it begins with a very specific and obvious address, and it uses this word, younger people. So only the young ones that are here today are to arrange themselves in submission to older people. And yet what's kind of odd about this, and it raises some immediate questions, is this word elders that we actually talked about last week. Remember the fingers pointed here at pastor and the elders? It, it's, it's the word what? Presbyteros. And so it's referring to pastor. It's referring to shepherd. It's referring to elders. And, and it, it almost seems like there's some confusion surrounding this. What exactly is Peter talking about? Almost some contradiction and some great questions surface here. I was writing a list of questions. Do young people submit to pastoral authority? But if you're an older person here today, you're exempt from submitting to pastoral authority. Is that what the text is saying? It seems like a legitimate question to ask. Do all young people submit to all old people regardless of their spiritual maturity? Is that another question that's being asked? A third one, do do elders have to be only older men? Or or could there be a a young spiritually mature man? There's, There's these questions. And what's interesting, if you go back and read and study, that there have been arguments and theologians and Bible scholars and linguists and authors and professors have argued and argued and argued. What I've always thought was interesting is that my older sister, her name is Trish, when she was 12 years old, she understood the full meaning of this verse right here. At least she was trying to convince me that she did. She thought, and I remember this. You know how there's always the older sibling, okay? My older, and then there's the three little ones. And when mom and dad leave the home, they drive out. We're just going to go out for an ice cream, like for some sanity for a little bit of time. Okay, you guys, and you're in charge, okay, Trish? You older one, you watch the little ones. She would go to the window, and as soon as she saw the brake lights disappear, literally, she would go to the window, and she'd watch. As soon as she drove off, she was in charge. Why? Because she was my elder. And she actually, honest to goodness, she quoted this verse. It says, younger are to submit to the older. We washed her bike. We made her bed, we cleaned her room. One time, I am not joking you, she was sitting on a chair on the front lawn and we had to bring her iced tea and we didn't have enough ice cubes in it. Okay, wait a minute. I love love my older sister. Something tells me that's really stretching the context perhaps just a little bit. It's dangerous to do that. We've had conversations on this verse since, believe me. What, what exactly, whatever an older person wants, that's what, no, no. Let, let's examine, put, put the debates, put the argument aside, look at the words. Verse five, you younger submit yourselves to your older. In, in the original, it's interesting to note, it's really not specific. It's not exclusive enough 
Because I believe it's not designed to be exclusive. Rather than debating, which is what you and I love to do, and we like to look for ex- an excuse that says, well, this doesn't apply to me. Rather than debating or arguing, who am I supposed to submit to? Peter is proclaiming, it really doesn't matter. What matters is this. If there is someone that is older than you, yes, you do submit to them. If there is someone who is more spiritually mature than you, then you submit to them. If there is someone who holds the office of a pastor or shepherd or elder, then God's word says that we are to submit to them as long as they are under the authority of God's word. That's what Peter wants to make clear. And I know it because it's actually emphasized. It says, what all of you, the New King James words it like this. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed in humility, which kind of makes the connection here for God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. This verse is not speaking exclusively about the age, the spiritual maturity, or the office of a person. It's speaking about the exclusivity of our willingness to submit, or I should say, your unwillingness to submit. When someone gives you instruction or direction, there's something inside of us that says, no, I don't like that. Why? There's something inside of us. And what I believe Peter really wants to nail home here, and it's repeated, submission is intimately connected. It's synonymous with humility. I've told you, I've taught you, whenever you see one word repeated, okay, three times in three verses, humble, humility, there's something that the author is trying to make very, very clear. It's bigger than the subject of submission. It has to do with the subject of humility. I appreciate F.B. Meyer's description of how we are to accomplish the goal that Peter is giving to us this morning through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Meyer says this, I quote, the only hope of a decreasing self is an increasing Christ. Uh, Isn't that what John the Baptist said, John 3.30? Remember John the Baptist? There's one who comes behind me and what? I I am not worthy to tie his shoes. And he says what? That Christ would increase, that, that Christ would be magnified, that Christ would look bigger and I look smaller. Every day we are to wake up as followers of Lord Jesus Christ. We have one job description. It is to magnify the name, the work, and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we magnify the name, the person, the work of Christ, then what we, what? We, we, we minimalize ourselves. Listen to a great message this week from Chip Ingram. I love Chip. And he's right in my lunch break. I get to listen to And And he used the term, and I was, I, I had to, you know how you're not supposed to text to drive. I, I heard, I saw the bumper sticker um, honk if you love Jesus. Keep texting if you want to meet him. Bumper sticker philosophy. But I was texting. I, I know I shouldn't. But I, I had to text myself when Chip was speaking because he used this phrase, downwardly mobile. And I, I knew I would forget it if I didn't write it down. I think I stopped. I think I pulled over. But, but Chip talked about this phrase of being downwardly mobile. And he used Christ as an example of one who who leveraged his position toward others 
by, by, in a sense, serving others, by reducing himself, his own wishes, his own wants, his own will. Uh, Paul describes it perfectly in Philippians chapter 2. He emptied himself. Think about that. Tomorrow morning, first thing on your to-do list. Number one, I have to empty myself of myself. Philippians 2 says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Although we do not like to look or feel to decrease ourselves, we don't like, it uses this term, clothe yourselves in humility. It's, it's almost if you were to get up, you dress yourself and we're like, wait a minute, these clothes, yeah, they don't, they don't feel real good on me. They don't fit really good. I don't feel like I look too good when I clothe myself in humility. But Peter is calling us. Why? Because he understands and he knows the significance, the power and the importance of watching a life who completely emptied himself and clothed himself in humility with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now we do this in first and foremost, the, the relationships that we are part of. Relationships, sadly, we talk about how important it is to build relationships so that God is glorified and the gospel is presented that transforms lives. And, and relationships oftentimes and represented even in this very room, there's, there's individuals that are connected in relationships and the relationships, sadly, that a lot of people are, 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 in, are in pieces. Relationships are in wreck because it's more concerned about what do I get out of this marriage? And that's the complete opposite. Husbands, it says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. He gave himself. We, we don't maneuver our way through life thinking if I build a relationship with this person, what am I going to get out of it? What is it that they can give me? No, let go of that. Let God build your relationships and say, you have one purpose here. It is to offer yourself to them, to your neighbor. It, it literally means to give to them. It means to serve them. It means literally you look for opportunities, how I can build into their life, creating a bridge, I believe, for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let go and let God build your relationships. Number two, let go and let God exalt you. Let God exalt you. It says in verse 6, humble yourselves. Again, this third time the word is repeated. Under the mighty hand of God, we speak here of the all-powerful, all-knowing hand of God. So that at the proper time, he may exalt you. In his time, do you hear about the, the, the man? He was a pastor and he was awarded. He was given a, 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 like a, an achievement of being the most humble of all pastors, okay? And they actually gave him a, a medal. And the next Sunday at church, he wore the medal that said the most humble pastor in, and so they took the award away from him. I don't know if that's true or not. But there's this idea that says, we love to be recognized. We, we love to have what? Someone pointed and said, that, well 
done. I'm so proud of you. That was amazing. Only you could do that. And there's something inside of us that we just race towards that. We read this phrase, humble yourselves, a a command in God's word that is a hard command. This goes back to the battle that exists within ourselves. To humble what, there's immediate words that kind of surface. It means what, humble ourselves means that we're going to have to suffer. Well, I don't want that. Words like languish or, or misery or agony. All right, fine, I'm heading to the barn. I'm going to get the burlap sacks and I'll, I'll wear burlap sacks and then I'll go to the fireplace and I'll get some ashes and I'll rub that all sadly over my face and I'll be humble. You happy now that I'm humble? And, and that's, that's the way. And, and, and we're missing it. Peter says that true humility brings exaltation. True humility brings exaltation. I, I like the simplicity. I like the clear, concise plan and presentation that, that Peter is giving. Basically, he says there's one of two things, and you've got a choice. You can be exalted right now, lifted up, and humbled later, or you can be humbled now and exalted later. It's really how it boils down. You got one of two. What does it mean? Basically, God is saying what? The choice is yours. If you really want man's recognition, if you really want your name in lights, then God is saying, take it. You can have it. And you will never get mine. That's what he's saying. You want that? You can have it. And you will never have mine. Because there's only one mighty hand. There's only one who truly exalts There's only one who says, I will lift you. I will bless you. Now, we live in a world that screams a message. And I believe if we hear a message long enough, and if we hear a message loud enough, and Satan certainly knows the strategy and tactic of that, that we actually begin to believe that message. The world constantly says, unless you get your book published, Unless you get a building named after you. Unless you achieve the the successes of, of, of riches and wealth and fame and influence and beauty and power. Unless you achieve that. That's what the world says. Then you're a complete failure. Anything less. And that is such a lie. That is so wrong has nothing to do with what the word of God says. The the word of God says mankind can never exalt mankind eternally. That's what God is saying. Rather, the mighty hand of God truly exalts every single one of us. Every single one of us. Little, big, old, wrinkled, skinny, not skinny, Rich, poor, every single one of us will stand. Pros, ton, theon, before the face of God. Every single 
one of us. And he will, what? He will either exalt or he will abase. Many people have worked their whole life to be exalted here and they will miss it. And it, it happens because it's, it's rooted in our own pride. I, I, I battle every day. I, 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 read, I read this week, it, it was pride going all the way back to Genesis chapter three with the fall of mankind. It was pride. Adam and Eve says, I don't want anyone over me. I'm gonna do whatever I want. I read this week and I I quote, it was pride that lit the fires of hell and it is pride that continues to populate it. And that's it right there. These things the Lord hates. A proud look. Pride separates us from God. Pride isolates us from God. Pride destroys our relationship with God. And pride glorifies ourselves. And there's going to be others that quietly stand before the Lord, before the face of God. And they have patiently and they have humbly offered and served and sacrificed and surrendered and lived in complete submission and God in his way and in his own time will lift up and will exalt Let go and let God exalt you. Thirdly and finally, very quickly, let God carry your worries. It says what? The text concludes, casting all of your anxieties. Wow, I have a long list of anxieties. It says, cast, throw all of your worries upon him. And this is underlined in my Bible because he cares for you. John three sixteen. for God so loved you, me. God so loved the world. Um, kid growing up in, in Nova Scotia, and, and we grew up in a Christian camp. There were 400 acres, and it's all woods and trees. And Christmas time, it was always a, a big thing. We would never, ever, ever go and buy a, a Christmas tree from Walmart parking lot. It, just, it was unheard of. You always went out back somewhere and you'd look for, you cut down and drag home your own Christmas tree. And I remember I was about 14 years old and I was given the privilege. My dad looked at me and gave me an ax. He said, I want you to go find the tree this year. It's your job. No one's going. I want you to go get the tree. And I was like, wow, me, you know? And I remember I looked and I looked and I thought, this, I, my, this is going to be the greatest tree that we have ever had in my entire life. The family's going to be weeping when they see it. I went and trudged all over. I mean, acres and acres and acres. I remember I cut this massive tree down. It was like 20 feet high. I took the top eight feet because nothing was growing around it. And I, and, and I got it down. I started to drag this massive, massive tree home. And it was, I was cold and wet and I was exhausted. And I was dragging this tree and I realized I am a long, long way from home. And I thought, how am I going to do this? And I, I remember I was dragging it through a, a, a little trail and exhausted. And literally, unbeknownst to me, all of a sudden the tree got like really, really light. 
dragging it. And I'm, I'm like, what in the world? And it got really light. And, it just, and I just began to walk. And I noticed my dad had followed me and, and behind me without me even knowing. He picked up that tree and put it, and he was walking behind me. And, and it took, and I was like, wow. And that's what I think about. We're, we're dragging all kinds of junk around us. All kinds of worries and burdens. Some of you legitimately have suffered at the hand of others. Abuse. You've been hurt. You've been lied to. You've been maligned in some way. And, and you drag, even this day, you're still dragging that burden around. Some of you, and myself included, have caused a lot of burden ourselves through our own stupidity. Problems we've caused, things we've said, things that we've contributed to, and we're, we drag that around. We, we, we constantly, we're, we're dragging around what? Worries? How's, how's my son? Is he safe? Where's my daughter? Is she okay? Financial burdens or struggles or, or work-related or how's the church doing or what about this? And we drag around this weight. And there's no greater weight. There's no greater weight than our own sins, our own sinfulness, the depravity and the, 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 the wreck and ruin their lives are in. And, and sadly, many people are even trying to drag their own sins. And Jesus says, Peter says right here, that Jesus is the only one who, who takes that and carries that. Whatever we have done, we're to offer it to him. Our anxieties, our fears, all of it belongs to him. Lord, I am yours. I offer myself to you. If you've not done that, if you've not said, Lord, I recognize the fact that I am a sinner deserving of the very worst, but I'm grateful for your forgiveness and I'm grateful for you redeeming me through your work on the cross and I desire to follow you. If you've not done that, then you can do that. There is no greater burden than the burden of our own sin. And Jesus says, what, I take that and I forgive you. Let God carry your worries. Biola University used to be the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. That's how it got the phrase. Years ago, and, and, I, and I heard that in the very front, in the entrance of, of the university, there was a, a massive banner and on the banner, it said, good morning, this is God. I'll be handling all of your problems today. Have a nice day. You know, and I thought that's a, that's a great reminder for us. Every day, good morning, this is God. I'll be handling every burden, every problem, every worry, every anxiety. I'll take care of that. Have a good day. That's the promise can't help but think of David himself. He says in Psalm 55, cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain. He will support us. Maybe hold on to this. Oftentimes it's a battle with ourselves that we come to a place through the authority of scripture and saying, God, I give up and it's you. I want God to direct every part of our relationships. I want God to, in a sense, carry our worries and carry our burdens and understand that we are his that he loves us and he loves us unconditionally. Let's pray.
Father, I, I rejoice in your word. I rejoice in your ministry and the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. I pray for this body of believers that we would understand what it means to stop trying to drag things around and lift ourselves up through just tawdry flesh. God, I would ask that we would offer our lives to you, trusting you to lift us up and exalt you. Father, I just pray that you would um, give us the strength and stamina to be obedient now to your word, to practice what we've heard. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.